Good morning, church. It's such a joy to bring you God's word this morning. I am George Adu, a pastoral resident here at First Free. And our passage this morning is a very familiar one. Through the centuries, it's been titled The Rich Young Ruler or The Rich Young Man. But today I want us to take a fresh look at it to see who this passage is really about. It is about God and his goodness. The overarching question from our text is, why, why should we treasure a good God over everything? Why should we treasure a good God over everything? And we are going to see by way of two things God's goodness accomplishes for us and one quality of his goodness. But before we delve into our passage, I would love us to take some time to reflect on what good means. You see, it is a word we often use. Uh, we would all prefer to buy good cars. We would all love to live in good neighborhoods and for our kids to attend good schools. And from time to time, we receive compliment for a good job done. So what makes something good? Now let's take this question a step further and ask, what makes someone good? Many of you know I grew up in Ghana, and um, as a child, I do remember that a few people considered me good. I, I suspect they did not speak to my mom. You know, yeah, they would have known all the bad stuff I had done in the house. What I am driving at is that we often throw this word around without really understanding that no human being is good. Who then is good? To answer this question, let's get into our text. Our passage today is Matthew 19, 16 to 2016. And will you please be able to stand if you are able um, for the reading of God's word. And behold, a man came up to him saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. He said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these I have kept. What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus said to his disciples, truly I say to you, 
Only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Then Peter said in reply, See, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? Jesus said to them, Truly, I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father, or mother, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his myard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And going out about a third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them he said, You go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went, going out again about the sixth hour, and the ninth hour he did the same. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, why do you still stand here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning, the, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now when those hired first came, they thought they will receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, This last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first and the first last. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. The main idea from our passage is we should treasure God and his goodness over everything. We should treasure God and his goodness over everything. And so we may ask, why should we treasure God and his goodness over everything? 
we find the first answer is because God in his goodness gives us eternal life. God in his goodness gives us eternal life. The phrase eternal life occurs for the first time in the Gospel of Matthew right here in our passage. What's important for us to know is who gives eternal life. No human goodness merits eternal life. When the rich man came to Jesus to ask what good he must do, he had his eyes on eternal life. And he never asked, what good has God done or accomplished? Rather, he asked, what good he must do? Jesus tells him, God alone is good. This means no human is good. And it also means to have eternal life, we need God to be good to us. Look at 19.17 with me. Jesus said to the young man, Why do you ask me what is good? There is only one who is good. By saying there is only one who is good, Jesus points to the goodness of God alone. The goodness of God is also seen in the commandments God gives. And so Jesus asks, If you would enter life, keep the commandments. Many Christians today struggle with what we are to do with the Ten Commandments. But Jesus' answer shows God's law is truly good. And what God's law does for us is that we are able to see God's standard when we read his law. Second, it drives us all to our knees in need of God's grace. I believe Jesus is setting this man up with the law to bring him on his knees so he can receive God's grace. But the young man struggles to get it. He asks Jesus, which of the laws should he keep? Jesus gives him a few from the law and he quickly replies, all these I have kept. Now, whether he truly had kept all of God's law or not, is seen in the question, what do I still lack? Do you see it in verse 20? What do I still lack is the question on the minds of many who believe humans are basically good. Jesus' offer of eternal life to this man is going to expose him. It exposes him and his idol of wealth. This rich man who had shown sincere interest in obeying God's law, now refuses to let go his world. When push finally came to shove, he bailed out. Let's look at Matthew 19, 21 to 22 together. Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor and you have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. What we see is the goodness of wealth or money can take our eyes off God's goodness. The young man turned away in sorrow, the price of following Jesus was simply too high 
for the rich man. He stood before Jesus, in whom all the goodness of the Father dwelled, and he turned away in tears. Family, money is a great obstacle to trusting in God. The reason is the dollar has a power of its own. It gives status and prestige, but it also demands loyalty and worship. Jesus addressed the danger of idolizing wealth in Matthew 6, 24. He said, we can't serve God and money. When we choose earthly treasures over God, we reject heavenly treasures. Jesus paints a gloomy picture for those who idolize wealth in verses 23 to 25 of chapter 19. What Jesus says in plain language, he says again in a proverbial sense. It is impossible to enter the kingdom of God with our idols. It is impossible to worship money and get into God's kingdom. The disciples are shocked because not only was wealth a desire of the rich, but it was also a desire of many at the time. It was a desire of the poor to also get rich. The cultural assumption at the time was if one was wealthy, it was a sign of blessings from God. The rich then were good candidates for heaven. So it was devastating for the disciples to see that the best candidate for heaven has failed the exam. Church, the good we find in our idols can take our eyes off God and his goodness. This rich man encountered the living word and was so blinded that he turned away. He was so desperate to obey Torah but he turned away from the living Torah. He met God in the flesh, but his wealth became a barrier. So, people of God, what do we treasure the most? It may not be money, but is it our family? Is it our work or our business? Is it sex? We should treasure God and his goodness over everything because God in his goodness gives us eternal life. The question, who then can be saved by the disciples, tells us that the best of humans are humans at best. Yes, the best of humans are humans at best. The rich young man, one of the best candidates at the time, failed so miserably. Today, the best human candidate will also fail miserably. Jesus says salvation is impossible with humans, but with God, all things are possible. Did you catch it in verse 26? This right here is hope. Because of God, we have hope. Salvation is the work of a good God. His salvation is for anyone who places his or her faith in his only son, Jesus Christ. His salvation is not only for the best of us, 
It's also for the worst of us. So why should we treasure God over everything? Because in his goodness, God gives us eternal life. But is there more? Yes, in in verses 27 to 29, we see a second reason for us to treasure God over everything. Um, And that's because God in his goodness gives us more than we leave behind. God in his goodness gives us more than we leave behind. Peter really, Peter really knows how to take advantage of a situation. Even a bad situation. He's seen the rich man choose to store up treasures on earth than to receive treasures in heaven. And more to the point, Peter has heard about the word treasure. So he seeks to know if Jesus has more to say about treasure to the disciples. The weight of Peter's argument hangs on, we've left everything and followed you. And so what's in it for us? This is a fair question. And Jesus gives him and the disciples an answer. First, the 12 disciples will judge the 12 tribes of Israel. Second, everyone who's left properties and family for the sake of Jesus will receive a hundredfold reward and inherit eternal life. These rewards are more than anyone leaves behind. They are more than rewards because they far more compensate for all that we do, for all our sacrifices made in service to God. As believers, we should expect rewards. There's nothing bad about that. But what we should know is our rewards are more than our sacrifices. Let's pay attention to two words in verse 29. First is the hundredfold language. And second is inherit eternal life. Both are languages of reward. Let's consider the hundredfold reward. Um, This is realized among God's community, the community of believers like us. Those who have left family and possessions find in God's community brothers, sisters, mothers, and fathers. As we pray and bear each other's burden, we make tangible this hundredfold expression. During our time in seminary, we had to attend to a very difficult medical situation in our family. My, my wife, Emily, had to have a transplant, an organ transplant, um, barely two years into seminary. And it was a difficult time. But the seminary community at Trinity came around my family at the time. Professors and students will take Perez, our son, and I'll get to go to the hospital every week to see my wife because kids were not allowed into the ICU. Our son got to know almost half of the professors and their homes, and he enjoyed pancakes in those houses. Um, But this is an example of what the family of God does for one another. 
and it reflects the hundredfold statement Jesus makes in verse 29. Again, when we came over to Wichita, you know, um, when we moved, we were met by some ministry staff and um, a couple of guys from church. We had barely got, gotten to know them. And they helped us to unpack our truck, and this eased our burden. Again, this is an example of what the family of God does for one another as an expression of the hundredfold saying by Jesus. The second phrase is inherit eternal life. Now, this is the most important reward. It is the ultimate. Though it is given to us as a reward, it is more than a reward. Our sacrifices and our service to God are truly affirmed by God. Yes, God recognizes all we do for him. And he rejoices when we bear fruit. But what we do is not the basis for inheriting eternal life. Eternal life is a gift of a good God. The story is told of Martin Lloyd-Jones on his deathbed. This faithful preacher reflected on Luke 10.20, where it says, We are not to rejoice because spirits submit to us, but we should rejoice because our names are written in heaven. What he said should encourage us to treasure God over everything. He said, If we are living upon what we do, if our happiness is based upon our preaching, our service for Christ, there is something deeply wrong with it. Not in this, says our Lord, but we should rejoice that our names are written in heaven. Eternal life is not given on on the basis of our service. It's not based on what we do. It is a gift. Peter's question of rewards opens a teaching moment, which Jesus does often in the Gospels. A moment for Jesus to help his disciples see rightly. So he tells a parable to show the unexpected way God gave rewards and why. We will see that our good God gets to choose. He gets to choose what he does with what belongs to him. So in this parable, Jesus shows us God rewards us according to his own good standard. God rewards us according to his own good standard. In this parable, God is the owner of the vineyard, and the laborers refer to all who are called by God to serve him. The owner goes out to the market to find laborers. Now, to the disciples, this would have been familiar, because in those days, um, many laborers gathered at the market, hoping that someone would hire them. Oftentimes, many laborers were not hired, so they went home hungry. The master of the vineyard chooses to go out on multiple occasions to get guys to work for him. In all, he goes out five times. What is, what is shocking is he hires laborers even at the 11th hour, hiring them with just one hour left in the workday. In the middle of the parable, we see a good indicator of what is about to unfold. 
Do you see it in Matthew 20, verse 8? It says, when evening came, the owner of the vineyard ordered for payment to be made, starting from the last to the first. This is interesting. And it gets more confusing. He pays every laborer a day's wage, even those who had worked only an hour. This is not only a poor business practice, but it is also a reckless way to lose your money. And the master chooses to lose his money. After all, it is his money. But there is a problem. Those who have worked all day protest at the master. They grumble at the master, not because they've been underpaid, but because those who had worked less have been paid the same. So these grumbling laborers conclude that the master is unfair. We hear that a lot of our children, right? The whole point of Jesus giving this parable is seen in the master's response. Church, God is good and God is sovereign. He chooses how he rewards us and he chooses the reward we get. As we see in this parable, he chooses to pay all his laborers the same wage. This is what the first will be last and the last will be first is all about. Look with me at Matthew 20, 14 to 15, where we see the master's response. He says, I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? God rewards us according to his own good standard. The last question in Matthew 20, 15 tells us this parable is not about the laborers, but about God. Do you begrudge my generosity? In the Greek, is, are your eyes evil because I am good? There is a danger in comparing ourselves among ourselves. The danger is that it takes our eyes off God and his goodness. And it creates bitterness and resentment in us about what others have. This can play out in varying ways in the church. Maybe you've served quietly in the church for for decades. Or you've given so much and it seems no one notices it. You look at others who seem to get all the attention and so you feel left out. This comparison can make us forget God's goodness to us. But family, what do we have that we didn't receive in the first place. All our talents and wealth are given by God in the first place. It's, it's helpful to remind ourselves again what Lloyd Jones said. If we are living upon what we do, if our happiness is based upon our preaching, our service for Christ, there is something deeply wrong with it. I think two questions are helpful when our thoughts make us envious and bitter. Because these thoughts can make us question God and his goodness. 
First, we should ask, do we do what we do in service to God for his glory or for ourselves? Do we do what we do in service to God for his glory or for ourselves? And second, has God been good to us in Christ? In all, we should not forget it's all about what God has done for us in Christ. And when we serve, it should all be about his glory. So why should we treasure a good God over everything? Because God in his goodness gives us eternal life and more than we leave behind. In Jesus, we see God's manifestation of his goodness most clearly. We see it at the cross. At the cross, the darling of heaven was crucified for sinners like you and me. Thanks to God whose ways are not our ways and whose thoughts are not our thoughts. For if there is anything, anything we truly deserved, it was death. But he took our sins upon himself and gave us eternal life. So we get to serve him now and in eternity to the praise of his glory. For those of you who have not placed your faith in Jesus, membership in God's kingdom comes through faith in Christ alone. Like the rich young man, Jesus bids you, come, follow me. God, in his goodness, welcomes you if you acknowledge your sins, repent, and believe in Jesus Christ. You get to enter God's kingdom and become part of his family here at First Free. We should treasure God and his goodness over everything. Please pray with me. Our Father, we are thankful for giving us your Son, Jesus Christ. And we know we can never pay our debts to you on our own. May our service to you, O God, be motivated by your glory and your glory alone. Help us to stay focused on Jesus, whom we see all your goodness. And may we never walk away from him in pursuit of fleeting pleasures. In Jesus' name, amen.